I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Breaking Beauty, the podcast all about the breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. We're your hosts, Jill Dunn and Carlene Higgins. Hey, Breaking Beauty fam. Welcome back to another episode of Breaking Beauty Podcasts. I'm Jill Dunn, and I'm here with my co-host, Carlene Higgins. And honestly, you guys, today, our episode is really inspired by a recent Instagram post. And Carlene slacked me right away and was like, we need to do an episode about this. Absolutely. We're talking about the Linda Evangelista fiasco that went down on Instagram. I'm just going to call it that. So in her post, just for anyone who didn't clock it, she wrote to my followers who have wondered why I have not been working while my peers' careers have been thriving. The reason is that I was brutally disfigured by Zeltique's cool sculpting procedure which did the opposite of what it promised. So instead of removing fat, it caused a rare side effect called paradoxical adipose hyperplasia, goes by PAH, or permanent swelling in the areas that were treated. And so she used kind of that word disfigured. It was all very shocking. And I was just watching the comments like, wow, this is a piece of history going down here. I mean, you had all of the top supermodels, Naomi Campbell, um, Cindy Crawford, like Mark Jacobs, Karen Rotfield, like all of these photographers who were chiming in and they were like, show your face to the world. This is your moment. You're beautiful on the inside, not just the outside. Time to be a role model instead of just a supermodel. So it was fascinating to see. And just there's just so much to unpack here. That's right. So we wanted to bring on a special guest to help us do just that, Carlene. And joining us today is London-based award-winning journalist, Alice Hart Davis. Alice has reported on skincare and non-surgical cosmetic procedures that she calls tweakments. It's the perfect word for about 20 years now. And she's widely considered by doctors and brands to be the UK's leading non-medical expert in the field. And she's written two books on the topic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she also attends lots of aesthetic conferences and speaks about these topics. So we're thrilled to have her. Yeah. I think the other thing about Alice and that just describes her as a journalist is she really is a professional guinea pig on this topic. She herself has experienced countless tweakments firsthand, both the good and the bad. So she writes on these topics in regular columns and for all the big newspapers. 
And she also has a focus on regulation and the lack of regulation in the aesthetic medical industry and also just like how it affects your psyche and culture. So she's just a wealth of information and I'm so excited to have her on the mic today. I know we're going to talk about Brazilian butt lift today. We're also going to talk about threads, which is really popular and fat transfers. And we also ask Alice all about how to find that practitioner that you can trust. So there's lots of great takeaway here as well. So welcome, Alice Hart Davis. Hola, friends. So if you're a regular listener, you know that I'm in the middle of renovations right now, which can feel never ending. But there is one aspect that is beyond fulfilling for me. And that's the whole purging process. I live for a good reset where I'm minimizing the clutter and starting over all shiny and new. And that's kind of the experience that I had with my hair recently after trying Way's Clarifying Detox Shampoo. So I kind of had overdid it with some of the purple shampoos that I use by leaving them on too long. And I actually wound up with a duller finish on my hair. And it was also super dry. And so I tried Waze Clarifying Detox Shampoo. And wow, I could notice a difference right away. First of all, my hair did not feel like a bird's nest after rinsing it out in the shower, which is major because that happens to me with most shampoos. The smell is wonderful. It smells like legit perfume. Of course, Jen Atkin does everything right. And I used it with the Waze treatment mask for fine to medium hair. And even in the shower, I could tell I was going to love the result because I always kind of finger comb through my hair to detangle while I'm letting the mask kind of sink in. My fingers just like were gliding through so much easier and it was already feeling silky. Sure enough, after I blow dried, it was shockingly smooth. I felt like I got more volume out of my blow dry and the apple cider vinegar in the detox shampoo, it really did kind of clarify, take away that buildup that I usually get from hard water and from that purple shampoo overdose, my blonde hair looked brighter and so much healthier. So these are my new favorite products that I've tried from Way. I highly recommend their clarifying shampoo for once a week scalp and strand detox. And in case you're wondering, yes, it's cruelty-free, sulfate-free, and safe for all hair types. So when you're ready to undo some damage, hit the reset button with the Way Detox Shampoo. Go to theway.com. And use code BEAUTY to get 15% off your entire purchase. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com and use code BEAUTY to get 15% off your entire purchase. And now back to the show. I'm Kat Sadler, and it sure is a beautiful day. After such a bleak year, it's time for some joy. And I cannot wait for you to hear my fresh and fun new show. I crack open about mom life, relationships, wellness, and beauty, all the things. Plus, I have provocative conversations with some of the most fascinating and famous faces in pop culture. I'm here to lift you up and make you think. Check out It Sure Is a Beautiful Day with me and you every Tuesday. So welcome to Breaking Beauty Podcast, Alice. We really wanted to talk to you on the heels of what happened with Linda Evangelista a couple of weeks back. Of course, there was an Instagram post that she had put out, and it honestly sent shockwaves through the entire beauty industry. I know just the other night I was at the first dinner with other editors I'd been to in a long time, and it was the first topic of conversation. And so maybe just from your perspective, can you just break down like what happened there? Well, what seems to have happened is that 
Linda says that six years ago, five years ago, she had a cool sculpting procedure, which is a fat freezing procedure. It's properly known as cryolipolysis. And what that does is it suctions up a chunk of flesh, including the sort of fat, into a container like the size of a tub of butter and super cools it to the point where the fat cells start to die. And then over the next few weeks, the fat cells which have died, about 25% of the treated area, should be gently removed from the body by the body's normal sort of systems for clearing fat away, clearing dead cells away. But there are complications, as there can be with any procedure, and she was incredibly unlucky to have suffered the rarest of these, which is something called paradoxical adipose hyperplasia, which means basically instead of the treated area of fat shrinking and dispersing over the next few weeks, it gradually enlarges and hardens up. So you're left with a kind of stick of butter effect is what some mm. of the doctors will call it, where that treated area is kind of raised and swollen and it stays like that. You know, what we don't know is where she was treated. She appears yeah. to have been treated below the chin and on her stomach. I mean, what's really shocked people about this is that cool sculpting is a hugely popular procedure. It's been around since, I think, 2011, and it's quick, it's quite easy, it usually gives good results. The safety and efficacy data on it are pretty good. And people just don't know that things can go wrong. But I mean, with any of these non-surgical medical procedures, they are medical. You know, people think they... Uh, maybe there's something that gets taken a bit too casually, but mm. these things are medical. And like as with any medical procedure, there can be things that go wrong with anything. And your practitioner, your doctor, your surgeon, your dermatologist, whoever is doing this, ought to have taken you through all the potential complications of a treatment like this mm -hmm. before you sign that consent form, giving your informed consent for the procedure. You know, and if you don't know what the possible complications might be you should do your research beforehand then you can sit down and say what could go wrong how often does it go wrong with you if it does go wrong what can you as my practitioner do to remedy it mm -hmm. and how often is that successful and and with all that in mind that's when you make your decision to go ahead and sign a form not beforehand mm -hmm. it does appear that it affected her face area mm. Right. And part of, I think, what she was communicating in the post is that she didn't feel she could go out in public. So yeah. I think it was the cheeks as well. They appear to be swollen. You don't treat the cheeks. You, with, you um, wouldn't. Okay. No. So strictly we're talking about under the chin. It's just like chin. we're talking about like double chin, underarm. Like, you know, yeah. you would go for where you have like pockets of, you know, like a love handle, a double chin. Exactly. Okay. Well, I'm honestly glad we cleared that up because I, it appears that uh, to be her face and all of the coverage of this has been pictures of her face yeah the places that you would use cool sculpting it's quite a big device like like um you know Jill was saying it's designed generally for stubborn bulges of fat on the stomach the love handles the inner thighs that kind of thing but they've recently five six years ago developed a smaller head little treatment head that can be used under the jawline one on either side right that can be used on the upper arms and things as well. But no, it doesn't get used higher up on the face. That's, there's not a protocol for that. I think you're absolutely right. There's a risk of something happening with any treatment you're going to do. And I've been there in the chair where they give you, 
it's, you know, it's going to be 11 pages long, the fine print. And I think most people are just like, huh? I mean, and even if you read it and it's like, and the doctor will tell you this is very rare, you're kind of banking on, well, fingers crossed, that's not going to happen to me. And I think in this case, certainly in the past, we have said, you know, do your homework. You want to look at before and afters. You want recommendations from reliable people that you're going to the right practitioner. And that's kind of your best bet in ensuring that something doesn't go wrong. And I think that's sort of part of the question, at least in my mind, was you have somebody like Linda Evangelista who is, I mean, she is just hooked up to the yin-yang in terms of the best, the creme de la creme in the business in terms of image making, right? And body maintenance. So maybe you could help break that down to us. Was there a problem with the device with the practitioner, the way that the treatment was done, or was this really just a case of her being extraordinarily unlucky? I think it was a case of her being extraordinarily unlucky. I mean, as you say, she would surely have been directed towards one of the very best practitioners. They should be using the latest iterations of the technology. I mean, looking at the stats on how often this particular complication, PAH, can go wrong, it is a bit more than people had thought. It's a bit more than the manufacturers had put out. There was a, a paper reported in the um, Aesthetic Surgery Journal earlier this year that said it was more like one in 2,000 instances, whereas I think before it had been thought to be a lot less than that. But it could happen with anybody. And 75% of the cases where it did go wrong and where the treatment did cause this paradoxical adipose hyperplasia were with older equipment. So the newer forms of the technology, you know, like any complicated aesthetic machine, there is always a new version coming out. And the newer versions have slightly larger treatment heads. They have shorter treatment cycles. And those seem to cause fewer problems than the older ones. But still, you know, the risk is small, but it is there. And Mm. that's why I think it was just extremely unlucky because not that many people have this complication, but some people do. And she was one of them. I was curious about the use of the word disfigured, which she said in her Instagram statement. And it's very loaded. It upset a lot of people, actually. What did you make of that? I think if your career has been not just as a model, but one of the most beautiful creatures of all time, this kind of happening, this kind of kind of disfigurement to your body, I, I don't think that's too strong a word. I mean, this is how she has been valued by society and her peers for her whole career, isn't it? You know, as, as an outstanding mm. example of incredible beauty. So to have lumpy, swollen areas of her body, which weren't there before, I can understand that. <laughs> And now a break for one of today's show partners, Cove. So not sure about where you guys are listening from, but where I live, we've had a ton of rain lately. And I don't know, it's something about the air pressure that triggers headaches for me. And back in the day when I would get migraines, same. But around that time, I was just a fresh-faced teen and there really weren't many solutions for migraines. You just had to kind of wait it out in a dark room in pain. Thank goddess, now there's Cove, the leading online migraine clinic specializing in the diagnosis and treatment of migraines, all from the comfort of your own home. 
Cove is killing it when it comes to making quality care accessible and affordable. That's important considering there's really only one specialist per 80,000 migraine sufferers in the U.S. right now. All you do is go to withcove.com, complete an online consultation designed by leading neurologists, so it's literally as thorough as an in-person doctor visit, and then a licensed doctor reviews your migraine history and recommends a treatment plan customized specifically to your needs. How convenient is that? I'm lazy slash busy. Prescriptions delivered right to my door is like my love language. There's no waiting for a doctor's appointment, no pharmacy lines, just specialized care to help you better control your migraine. And don't worry, you don't have to pay a premium. Cove's doctor fees and prescriptions are as little or less than most insurance co-pays. Prescriptions start at just $10 a month. From one former migraine sufferer to another, I would totally recommend Cove. They've treated over 2 million migraine attacks and 96% of their patients have given them five-star reviews on their website. So don't wait. Get the relief you need right now for more migraine-free days with Cove. Go to withcove.com beauty for 50% off your first month of medication and free two-day shipping. That's 50% off your first month of medication and free two-day shipping at withcove.com beauty. We'll link to this offer on our blog and in our show notes. That's W-I-T-H-C-O-V-E dot com slash beauty. And now back to today's show. One thing that struck me from this incident, I was thinking back to an episode that I was listening to of another podcast called Lipstick Mm -hmm. on the Rim. It's Molly Sims podcast. And she was chatting with Dr. Raddy Raban. And I remembered him saying that with the work that he does, he's a plastic surgeon, approximately 40% of the work that he does is corrective. So tummy tucks where the belly button is in the wrong place, wonky boob jobs, you know, bumpy lipo. And I was really taken aback by that figure. And I'm curious if that, you know, does that surprise you? Do you think that's typical? Well, you know, what do you make of that? Ah, uh, yes and no. I mean, the thing is, the more elite a practitioner is, the better they are than what they do. They often end up being the place where the buck stops for everybody else's work that goes, <laughs> the fixer. Yeah, I mean, the fixer. all the great guys I know in the UK, <laughs> you know, particularly up and down Harley Street, they spend an awful lot of their time remedying other people's problems. I mean, some of them even just turn over one day of the week to a a dissolving clinic. So they have people who've come in who've had too much hyaluronic acid filler put in their lips, their cheeks, all over their face, Mm. wherever. And one day a week, it's just a dissolving clinic to clear all that out. And there's, there's enough of that. And because in the UK, we have a real problem with a lack of regulation around treatments, non-surgical cosmetic procedures, you know, you or I or anybody can go off and get ourselves syringes and filler and start injecting anyone we like. That's perfectly legal. And so there's an awful lot of undertrained, inexperienced people who don't know hardly what they're doing and let alone how to manage complications. So those complications all get referred back up the chain to the people who do know what they're doing. Yeah. And it's really distressing. And it's particularly distressing when I'm interviewing elite surgeons and some other doctor's name comes up and they said, oh yeah, you know, they send me all their complications. <laughs> oh dear. Oh boy. Oh dear. So yes and no. That's a plastic surgeon flex, everybody. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> it kind of is, yes. But but there are so many people mm-hmm. who are phenomenal at remedying work, uh, whether yeah. it's surgical or, or, or non-surgical. Mm-hmm. There is a good deal that can do if people know 
what they had done in the first place. But because yeah. of the uh, lack of control of the market here, we have not just half a dozen FDA-approved injectable fillers. You know, there's hundreds, literally hundreds. And nobody thinks to ask what they had injected. So when they turn up and the practitioner says, is it a this or a that, and they don't really know, then the practitioner isn't quite sure where to start with the treatment. So yeah, that's really tricky too. Mm. I think that's something else that's boomed over the last 20 years is just cosmetic surgery tourism, frankly. A lot of people mm. in the United States, they go to Tijuana, they go to Mexico, and they're saving a ton of money. And there's clinics that are there that are designed to attract, you know, rich moms from the OC. They go down there, they get whatever, the tummy tuck and stuff, and they could be coming back and, you know, having to do these fixes. And they won't know what they will have had done because it's not as regulated, right? So I think that there is a lot of that. I'm sitting here shaking my head because that is a really bad idea. You know, we have it here from the UK. People go elsewhere for treatment and they all say, why isn't that a good idea? And you think, well, if you aren't happy, if anything goes wrong, are you going to fly back there to get it fixed? Do you trust that person to get it fixed? I mean, dental work as well, uh, Mm -hmm. non-surgical stuff, facial surgery, body surgery. Mm. And it seems a good idea in terms of price, but that price that you were saying, it can get very high emotionally as well as financially if it goes wrong and you've got to come back and go through the whole process of remedial surgery. You know, it's not easy. Big time. And I mean, even Linda Evangelista alluded to that, mm-hmm. you know, saying that she this has sent her into self-loathing, deep depression, emotional yeah. trauma from the residual effects of this. So that's not to be discounted either. It's a good point to bring up. It's not. It's a really good point. Actually, I was just thinking the British Association of Aesthetic Plastic Surgeons, who are elite plastic surgeons over here, had their annual conference yesterday and they had a press conference and they brought up something. I've got the press release here, which is what I was grubbing around for on my desk. And they were talking about how, because they actually audit their own members and the figures for how many procedures they've done the, the complications they fixed and what the things were. And yeah, they had quite a lot of problems with the things that had gone wrong from fat freezing, which was this paradoxical adipose hyperplasia, the fat getting bigger and, and rigid, and also skin necrosis from, you know, the sort of ice burns, basically, which kill the skin. And that 21 patients needed surgery to attempt correction but all were left with some permanent deformity or scarring, which was not present beforehand. Two patients reported feeling suicidal from the complications, four things, nine required liposuction, eight required abdominoplasty, et cetera, et cetera. You know, so this is happening and it's real and there's people who don't have any sort of profile. But you know, and, and what has come into me on social media, you know, over the last week, because I, I talked about this on my Instagram channels. I wrote about it for the Times newspaper over here. There are a lot of people saying with those figures, you only know about the people who have sought remedial correction. You know, a lot of people will be so appalled and ashamed and they don't like to talk about, you know, what they've done and admit the fact that it's gone wrong, that they won't even tell the practitioner who they went to in the first place that this wasn't a success. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I could issue. see me being in that camp, mm-hmm. to be honest. The I would could be probably different. blame myself. I'd be like, oh, well, you're so vain. Well, what That's did so, you expect? Yeah. You know? <laughs> and you've lost the trust. You know, you're probably thinking, yeah. why would I go back? Yeah. What if it gets yeah. worse? 
you know, God forbid, right? And I guess, you know, having reported on non-surgical cosmetic procedures for more than two decades, I'm curious if you think overall that treatments are generally safer now than 20 years ago or not? That's a really good question. I wish I could say yes, but I think probably no, because it, it, it just depends who you go to. You know, it always depends who you go to. If you go to the best people who have so much experience and they know the procedures, they know how to counsel you around it, whether you're an appropriate candidate for the procedure, and they'll do a great job then, you know, that's great. You're in good hands. It couldn't be better. But because, particularly in the UK, with the lack of regulation in this market, a huge number of people doing things, you shouldn't be doing them, in my opinion. So it's not really safer because people start to take these things quite casually, you know, young girls getting lip fillers or preventative Botox, mm -hmm. which I know it works, but I hate it as an idea. And people start thinking, oh, this is just what you do. Mm -hmm. It's casual. It's, you know, we have this program, Love Island, you know, where all the girls on Love Island mm -hmm. have this incredibly done look. It's mm -hmm. a kind of Instagram face. It's very much a particular template. And that makes an awful lot of young women think that's what they need to have done in order to look attractive in the first place, which really upsets me. But then, you know, they could well say I'm old. Woke up like this. Yes. Yeah. It's the woke up like this yeah. face. No makeup but required. Not a good idea. I mean, one good thing over yeah. here is from today, nobody can inject under 18s with toxin or fillers because there wasn't a legal mm. age limit on it before. So <laughs> one mercy. That helps. But, wow. That helps. Yeah. Sorry. Back to your original That's point. Great. I think, is it safer? It's safer if you're seeing the right people. It's as, as, Safe. And the procedures, you know, get better. All mm -hmm. the practitioners get better at what they do with, you know, developing expertise over time. You know, people say, oh, there's somebody who's just started doing whatever in my area. Should I try them? I said, please, you know, take the time, spend the money, see somebody who really knows what they're doing. Because some of these guys I've known for a long time and not one of them will say, I've got worse at this procedure in the past 10 years. You know, they're constantly refining their techniques, mm. you know, sharing knowledge, developing the procedures, the ways of using it, the things they combine it with, you know, they all get better with time. So find somebody who knows what they're doing, please. And I think in the era of TikTok 60 second transformations, I mean, it makes it all just seem so easy, like zip, zap, zap, like I have a new face, like, uh, and it's so accessible. And there's these gripping before and afters, like who hasn't just fallen into the rabbit hole of looking at all of those images? It's compelling. And, and then you even see people like, Mark Jacobs being very open about his facelift and things. And you just think, wow, like it's so readily accessible. Everyone must be doing it. So and you're seeing in the actual treatment sometimes, like some of these things are like turning my stomach, some of the things I see. So yeah, nasty shock, that, isn't it? When you find you're in theater and they're actually slicing people open. Oh. I mean, something like Mark Jacobs, I totally applaud him because he paid for that deep plane facelift himself and he's said so grand's worth i think and he has put pictures of you know beforehand and there he is in a hyperbaric chamber which is a very expensive mm -hmm. sort of way of helping the body recover after surgery perhaps it's a bit glamorous but he's not sort of avoiding the issue that there he was with his head all strapped up one day and that's nicely done these things give fantastic results but yeah, I think it's usually when people see the cost and then they learn about the downtime of a procedure. You know, that is really where the reality starts to set in. 
So maybe people like looking at these things. But the trouble, to, to your point about how when you watch these things on social media, then you get served more of them. That is really alarming because there was some research that one of the companies in this area did a couple of years back showing that if you take lips, for example, you look at pictures of treated, exaggerated lips, or at the start of the study, they asked people to choose what their ideal lip shape, size, etc., was. And then they mm. served them a lot of content of inflated lips. And that huh, changes changes our perceptions, but they also showed that it made worse a physiological change in the brain in order to seek out and want those images. So it was actually distorting our perception in a very nastily real way. I mean, obviously, if you could then back off from the content and, and wean yourself off it, then your idea of what was beautiful would go back over time. But after a bit of being fed this stuff, everybody was choosing the bigger lips. They reckoned that was where the ideal beauty what was and and that's really alarming but we, we kind of know because if we see these things if we see and anything we follow you know you you refine your ideas around it and it shifts your perception but that happens all too easily yeah and in spite of you know all the the talk and kind of the warnings we've been doing I know that you are still a proponent of good work oh yes being done and you've kind of said a couple of times now, make sure you go to the right person. Mm. Let's talk about some practical tips. How can you ensure that you're getting the safest procedure with the best looking results possible? How do you find that right person? Uh, you need to do your research. You need to ask around if you, you can get a personal recommendation of somebody who is good, from somebody who's had the same procedure done. That is great. You want to know that whoever you are looking at for a particular procedure is who they say they are. That's probably easier in the States. You know, are they board certified? Are they, you know, it's easier to look up people's reviews and things. In the UK, you know, are they members of a professional body such as, you know, the doctor's lot or the dentists or the nurses or the surgeons? And, you know, then dig into it and look for examples of their work. Mm -hmm. All of that. I mean, it's fairly straightforward. Just having to find out for yourself. Just yeah. Think, just think. I saw some nice pictures on social because on social media, you know, a lot of these clinics I think you are nicking everybody else's pictures and pushing them up and passing them off as their own work. Mm -hmm. You know, you see the surgeons calling people out saying those yeah. are my pictures. You know, cease and desist. So unbelievable. You can actually get into it a bit and take the time yeah. because. It's your face, your body, and your money, obviously. But you need to know that you're going to be treated well. Then you should have a preliminary consultation. You should stop and think about it. You should never go for anyone offering financial inducements. Anybody ethical will not be offering financial inducements to get you into their clinic. They'll probably be so busy. They've got waiting lists. You know, I have people saying, oh, it's really busy. Can't you get me in with them? <laughs> no, it's, it's not what I do. And <laughs> for a reason, which is they are good. If you want their work, you'll have to wait. It's worth the wait. Yeah. And I just want to circle back for a sec because you said board certified. And I've heard that before. That's important that the person is so what does that mean? Well, this is where you catch me out because I don't know the American system as well, but it, it means that they will have accreditation from the relevant medical boards that, that they are who they say they are, that they have passed those exams, that they have the registration to do 
whatever it is they're wanting to do, the surgery, dermatology, and you need to dig into that detail. So let's get into some other treatments that I think are very popular and people want to know about. I know in the Linda Evangelista post, like I said, I was just, I was going through that. All the big names were commenting and had things to say. And one of the comments that struck me, somebody said, I wish somebody would talk about the dangers of thread lifts. And I wondered if that is something that maybe would be worth addressing here. I mean, thread lifts, they're quite a divisive thing for people who don't know this is having threads of their sort of suture-like material like you'd have for, for stitches in, in, in surgery, dissolvable material, which have tiny bubbles or barbs on them threaded through the mm-hmm. base, through the sort of the lower layers sort of anchored in the fat and sort of pulled up to tighten the area. So they're like a, a quick fix version of a facelift, except usually they don't last that long. The idea of the threads being there as well is that they will stimulate collagen production around them. So that creates, you know, some people say, well, it's just fibrosis. It's creating around the line of those threads. You'll have two or three threads put through either side, depending on, you know, how heavy your cheeks are or which bits they're trying to lift. Done nicely, they can look great. I mean, I've never had them done myself. I know lots of practitioners who do a lot of them and get very nice results, but usually the accusations are they don't last very long. They don't last nearly as long as they are meant to last. And Mm. yeah, you can get you know, that, that sort of permanent thickening of the tissue along the line of the things, you know, surgeons tend to hate them, facial plastic surgeons, because if they're trying to work on the face in subsequent years, and there's all this random, you know, thickening and scarring through the tissues. So mm-hmm. dangers of, I mean, dangers, I suppose it would be bruising, uh, anything that's being injected in the skin is going to cause a bruise. This is a wacky great needle placing the thing through and then retreating. But when it's done nicely, you know, it looks lovely and gentle. Otherwise, it can look quite brutal. You know, there's been a trend, an Instagram trend for things like fox eyes, you know, raising, flattening the corners of the brow, which Mm. is most easily done with a thread or two up here. I recoil from the idea of threads in the forehead. You know, the skin is so thin. You know, why would you want to do that? Some people have threads in the neck. And these are the kind of longer type of threads that are having a lifting effect. There's lifting, then all the yeah. very fine little filament threads, which are woven in a kind of basket mesh and things like under the chin or through the cheeks, just simply to stimulate collagen mm. growth. So, oh my God, you guys, my stomach's mm. turning. I'm so sorry. Right now. <laughs> so no, sorry. it's not your fault, but like I am... Ah, I can't. Like, put me out. Hold that thought. Jumping in to share some news from our show partner, Thursday Plantation. So hands up who's also been suffering from maskne and breakouts. I swear it's like whack-a-mole with the breakouts on my chin area this year. And one thing I've been trying to scale back on is using really harsh ingredients that dry my chin out like the Sahara. And I've been reaching for more gentle formulas like the offerings from Thursday Plantation. So I've been a fan of this brand for years. So all of their products are tea tree oil based. It's imported straight from Australia where it's the number one natural brand for acne prone skin. And they've recently introduced two new products. And these are going to really help you customize your routine for normal to acne prone skin. First up, I want to tell you about the tea tree and manuka honey clay mask, which you can use several times a week. It contains this trifecta of ingredients. There's 100% 
pure Australian grown tea tree oil. And that helps to shrink the visibility of pores. Plus it has New Zealand sourced Manuka honey, which we know is great to soothe and soften the skin. And it also makes the post breakout marks less noticeable. And there's also 100% natural kaolin clay. And we know that's a winner to absorb and remove excess oils, but it doesn't feel dry on the skin. And personally, I need to shout out the tea tree cleansing bar. I love this product. It's super convenient, multi-purpose. You can use it on your face, on your body. It's vegan, plant-based, zero plastic packaging. And the bar is 99% naturally derived and contains 100% pure Australian grown tea tree oil to cleanse and purify. So it really acts as a gentle exfoliator too, because if you look at the bar, there's actually crushed up tea tree leaves in it. So it feels really great. Especially love that on my chest and my back area. And like all Thursday plantation products, these are all natural and there's no animal testing at all. So if you'd like to try these new acne fighting wonders for yourself, we have a special offer. Visit thursdayplantationcanada.ca and you'll get 15% off with promo code beauty15. That's thursdayplantationcanada.ca and you'll get 15% off with our promo code beauty15. We'll link to that promo in our show notes and on our website. Now back to today's guest. Let's talk about Brazilian butt lift. I mean, this is another example of like the Kardashians have made it such a part of the lexicon that it's like it has a nickname. It's like BBL. And like my niece says it all the time. She's 29. She's like, oh, I'm saving up. I'm totally getting the BBL. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And it's just made to seem so familiar in a way and so simple. So what is it exactly? Maybe we can start there. It's enhancing, amplifying the buttocks with injections, usually of fat, into the deep muscle tissue. And the problem with that is that if you inject any of that fat into a blood vessel and it forms a little embolus, you know, a little blob in that blood vessel, it can travel off around the body. If it gets into your lungs, you know, then you've got a pulmonary embolism or it can cause heart attacks. You know, and the complication rate, the the fatality rate with buttock enhancement in this way is like 10 times any other surgery. So, you know, in the UK, most of the surgeons here have voluntarily stopped doing them over the past few years just because they said it's too risky. And so they won't do them, but which means, of course, it's left to the less scrupulous ones who do carry on doing them. But I mean, even our NHS, our National Health Service website, you know, says, watch out for these because it's 10 times riskier than anything else. You know, you can have Mm. filler injected in the backside to help those curves. Some of those fillers are not a good idea. Some people, I mean, in in the UK, silicon isn't used very much. Some people in the States I know will use silicon, which is dire because, you know, silicon is is never going to go away it's never going to break down in the way a filler made from hyaluronic acid would Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean there's a new buttock enhancing Mm. procedure that's just uh, launched over here called Lanluma but that is injecting something that's it's like a collagen stimulating powder it's mixed up with water so it's injected with quite a big needle into the area that you want to enhance so you see what it should look like from the volume of water and mix up with this powder that they've injected, that actually the water will be absorbed by the body over the next uh, few days. So you then think, where's it all gone? But the powder is in there, well distributed over the appropriate area, and you have to massage it quite a lot. And then that will stimulate collagen growth. So mm. that is a safer way of doing it, which is available wow. over here. I don't think that's available in the States yet. 
Mm. But yeah, but the BBL is a surgical procedure. It's it's really uh, high risk. And fat transfers in general, it seems like, are getting more popular. We're seeing it even on TikTok. I don't know. Are there different ways? Are people using it in different ways other than the butt? For the face, certainly. I mean, the thing about fat is that if you can get it to to take, to graft itself into place, it will last. It will grow its own blood supply. It will stay there. Whereas a filler made from hyaluronic acid will break down over time and be dispersed by the body or possibly migrate and cause issues. But the fat, yeah, I, I had fat transfer done with assisted with a stem cell sort of broth that they put in with it, which so they take a bit of fat from wherever your stomach, your thighs, and they purify it and they re-inject it as you would use a dermal filler wherever needed. I mean, I had it up around my brows to to prop up all the bits that start sort of caving in as your face gets older. So to prop up the arch of the brow, prop up the arch of the cheekbones, prop up the chin around the jaw. And that was great. I mean, it, it looks a bit exaggerated at first because you don't know, you don't know how much of it is going to last, but obviously you can improve the chances of the grafted fat taking by adding a stem cell solution, which they also extract from your own fat tissues. I mean, this whole idea of regenerative medicine is mm. huge over here. I don't know how it is in the States of taking your own tissues, your own blood to use those to rejuvenate your face and, and body. But yeah, fat grafting is great. A lot of the surgeons will do uh, when they're doing a facelift that will improve the sort of it'll, it'll alleviate the sagging of the tissues, but it won't kind of build it out from the inside. Mm. They'll graft fat to the mid face or the cheeks for that. You know, again, you've got to have the right person who knows what they're doing. And I think this is where, you know, about 14 years ago, we'd see a lot of kind of pillow face on those celebs who all had those huge puffy cheeks. What are they doing? And it was because they were having fat transfer rather than fillers. But because up to 50 percent, 60 percent of that fat was likely to die away over time, you know, their faces would be overcorrected initially so that the final results would be a pleasing one, but that did mean, yeah, pillow face for months while it settled. Not a good look. So you were happy with your result? Over yeah, I was time, thrilled. In the end? I was thrilled. Yeah. yeah. And how long does that last? Well, I should go and get my face sort of put through some sort of imaging that can see this, or I don't presume it's integrated with my tissues, but I think a lot of it will have, will have gone over years. This was two years ago, but I still think it's kept my cheeks and jawline and chin in a much better state than Mm. say injectable filler would have done which would have gone after about 18 months Mm -hmm. Mm. so you'll do it again you'll need to do it again I don't know I'm booked in for a large amount of filler in a few (laughs) weeks time so I'll see how that goes and maybe I don't know do I need a facelift? <laughs> What's next? I've got an aggressive laser procedure coming up on Monday for pigmentation, clearing redness and brown pigment from the skin and it should help with a bit of skin tightening as well. So it's like painting the fourth bridge, as we say, a very long bridge up, up, up north here. You know, you start one end and by the time you get to the other end, it's time to go right back and start again at the beginning. <laughs> you know, pop up the things, more injectable toxin, you know, let's do something with the jaw, you know, clear that pigmentation and round and round you go. It all depends, you know, how, 
how much you're yes. bothered about this, what yeah. your budget is, you know, what your ap- appetite for any downtime is. But, you know, yeah. this is my area. This is where I work and this is uh, what I'm curious about. So I'm always interested to try Tweaking. some of these new things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do have another question and I don't know if you can answer this, but when we typically, when we talk about beauty products, which we do a lot Mm. and we talk to somebody in your position who's, you know, around a lot of products or a makeup artist or whatever, we like to get specifics for our listeners. They love specifics. So I don't know if you can answer this question or not, but are there sort of like doctors and non-surgical practitioners that you could actually recommend in New York, London, who would still be open to taking clients that, you know, could we get specific at all? I don't know. For the States, no, my network doesn't really extend over there. I can see it on social media who does lovely work. For the UK, I mean, for non-surgical work, I mean, this is why I have my website there. It's a a platform, you know, a content platform all around non-surgical work. And one of the aspects is that I have a a bunch of practitioners on there and these are people whose work I know and trust enough that I would let them Mm. work on my face and I'm Mm -hmm. building that up I mean I stopped adding people to it when lockdown started so I need to get back to that but these are people who either I know their work or have experienced their work or they belong to one of the elite doctors organizations which are really picky about their membership or they have been recommended to me by other people whose opinions I trust because it's so difficult to say people say who who do I how do I choose somebody what should I look Mm. for and they say should they be medical and of course they should have a medical background that should be like a basic thing because you know my general practitioner is is medical an orthopedic surgeon is medical but I don't want either of them injecting my face you know on top of that they need a lot of um training and instruction in aesthetic procedures whichever kind they're doing Mm. not just a weekend course you know but a lot of it, then they need the experience of putting that training into action so that they know how to get the best results with whatever products, mm-hmm. techniques that they're doing. And then ideally, on well, obviously they need to know how to handle complications, what to do if these things come up. And then ideally they want to have an aesthetic eye. You know, they need to know how to create loveliness in the face because it's not just about mm-hmm. doing a technically competent procedure for toxin with this frown line you should inject to here you, you need to look at somebody how their face moves mm-hmm. and they need to know in the way that a great hairdresser will know without mm-hmm. even having to produce you a complicated diagram they'll know how to cut so that it suits you given your hair texture etc you know, the best mm-hmm. guys they just know what will look nice how to make a face look that bit fresher softer without making it look done or plastic or frozen or anything like that so mm. those are the things I would think to look for. Mm-hmm. And it's quite hard to say who should have those qualifications rather than others. You know, some people will say, ooh, but you've got dentists in your lists. And you think, yeah, some of the people who trained as dentists have retrained in aesthetics. They're amazing facial aesthetics practitioners. So yes, I include them. Likewise, mm. people say nurses. You think, well, nurses were doing these procedures, particularly the injectables before all the doctors moved in on them 20 years ago it was the nurses working with surgeons to Mm -hmm. do the injectable collagen and then when the hyaluronic acid fillers came in to do those who Mm -hmm. have been writing the protocols and training everybody else for decades so Mm -hmm. it's tricky but yeah obviously I'm going to rate my website and my choices but and there's more many more names I should add on there into that lot but yeah you know people can 
do their own research. Well, I mean, you're a wealth of knowledge, so it makes sense that you would create this kind of one place in this directory. So tell everybody where they can find you and what your website is. Um, It's it's called thetweakmentsguide.com. And that is where there's a massive content about procedures of every sort, probably some that you don't have in the States. There's an interactive diagram of the face. If you go on and think, you can hover over the cheek and it'll give you all the options. Do you want to thinking about hollowness or you think about dry, rough skin? And then you can hop off and look at all the tweakments that might be relevant to that. And I have tried to mm-hmm. explain it in the way that I've been doing for years as a journalist, you know, giving the detail, giving an independent view on these things, um, giving my own experience where relevant. I've got a mm-hmm. couple of books. I've done a book on tweakments, a book on skin care. You can find them on Amazon. And there's more personal experience in those because I have tried most of these things over time, just out of curiosity and vanity and wanting to report on them. And so, yeah, that practitioner list is there as well in order to just in the way that if the papers would ask me to write a list of who I think the 50 best or 100 best or whatever are. And what I'm trying to do is build up that list all around the country so that, mm-hmm. you know, because people say, oh, it's all very well for you in London near Harley Street. What about us up in Wales, up in Scotland? Mm. And I need to build that up, but with time. And then one day, international, but not yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's wonderful. I know, Jill, we've used Real Self before. Oh, they're fab. Yeah. For the US. Yes. I think they give really reliable information and directories in that as well. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This has been wonderful. Well, thank you so much for having me. Absolute pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. You can find details on every product mentioned in today's episode, along with our exclusive promo codes on our blog at breakingbeautypodcast.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our newsletter. Every episode will be delivered directly to your inbox so you won't miss a single thing. And get social with us. Let us know what you think of the episode. You can follow us on Instagram at breakingbeautypodcast. And did you know we also have a private Facebook group? Just search Breaking Beauty Podcast chat room. You can even leave us a voicemail at any time with questions or feedback at 1-844-227-0302. And don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast fix. Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts, where you can show us some love by writing a review. See you next Wednesday. Bye.